Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Book Journeys Radio. Another book, uh, another another week, and another book. And this week, we are very lucky to have with us uh, Kathy Larson. Kathy, say hello to everybody. Hi there. So um, Kathy, um, Kathy's first book was called Yard Wine. It's a neighborly thing. And uh, I was just telling Kathy, I will take any excuse to talk about wine, so this is perfect. Um, and she's also the author of The Dream Train, A Family Bedtime Tradition. So you can go to yardwinebook.com or thedreamtrain.com as we're talking to learn a little more about Kathy Larson, who um, I know you were were a teacher and you've been a small business person, and how was it that you uh, decided to become an author? You know, you say I, I uh, was a teacher as if I don't do that anymore, but I still do oh, that um, because, te- you know, when uh, your first book doesn't necessarily pay all the bills right away. Um, and so that is what I do full-time. That's my day job, I like to say. Um, so I'm a teacher, and I teach English, and writing to seniors. Um, and I figured a couple of years ago that it was time that I sort of um, put my hand where my mouth was, so to speak, and decided that I needed to be practicing what I was teaching the kids to tell them that I kind of knew what I was talking about. And so that was that was kind of how it all started. I, I'd been feeling this urge to want to write, um, and they sort of gave me the excuse or the push to go ahead and start it. So that's really how it started. And then um, I've been teaching for a while, but I've fallen into this teaching writing in the classroom. And so I then started a business that teaches kids how to write too. So my life is full of writing at this point. Wow, that's awesome. So when you first got the idea um, to write a book, did you know you would write about wine? Like, did you think, I want to write a book called (laughs) Yard Wine is a Neighborly Thing? Well, you know, well, I decided I wanted to write a book, and I knew that I had to find something that I wanted to write about. And I toyed with the idea of another topic, and it's one that I'm still kind of working on. Um, it's, But it, it just didn't feel quite right for the first one. And then I live in a neighborhood that is like your old-fashioned Mayberry neighborhood. And, in fact, we call ourselves the 21st century Mayberry because Everybody knows everybody on the street, and we get together, and we take trips together, and um, we hang out in our front yards, and we drink wine. And that's just how we all come together. And so one night, my partner and I, the one who sort of was the inspiration in the sense that it's told, I'll tell you that in a second. But she and I were sitting around at a yard wine one night, and we were telling stories, you know, the way you do when you get together, the whole remember when, and we were sitting there and Nancy said, wow, this is such, these are such great stories. We should write a book. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I've been waiting for. So we took all the stories, all of the things that have happened to us over the last, well, for her it's been 25 years and for me it's been about 10. And we put all of those stories into a book. So for me, when I sat down to write, it felt like something I could actually accomplish um, as opposed to something that starts at the beginning and ends at the end, like a fiction book might, I felt like I could tackle nonfiction. So we set it up specifically with vignettes. 
So it's a how-to book, and it tells you how to build a neighborhood like we have and how to start your own yard wine and what to drink and what to bring. But we tell little series of vignettes within that that tell the story of how our yard wine came to be. Wow. So uh, you really were writing what you know. Do you do you teach that idea of writing about something that's really close to you like that? Yeah, I um, teach the kids that you can't write about something you don't know. However, you can't typically write a book or, or even a paper, for that matter, for the kids. You can't only write what you know. So I also like to say to them that it doesn't necessarily have to be true. It just has to be believable. So okay. for me... <laughs> So for me, everything is absolutely true. But for the kids, I tell them when you're writing, you do have to embellish a little bit, especially if you're writing fiction or you're making argument. You can't always exactly know what somebody said five years ago and what that dialogue line looks like, but you can make it so that it feels real. Mm-hmm. And so when you first when you first wrote when you first wrote down the vignettes and all that stuff, did you know it would be a book? Well, we set out. Yeah, we set out initially to to write the book. I mean, it really was that night when we were sitting around and we'd had a couple glasses, and she said to me, "We should write a book." And I said, "I think absolutely we should write it." So, um, and I I will say one other little piece that I was going to start earlier is that the book um, is written in the first person, and we decided when we sat down initially and we said, "How are we going to write this?" We picked early on, we picked the tone that we wanted and what kind of an audience we were going for, and we decided on um, point of view as well. So it's told in a first-person point of view, but it's being told from Nancy's point of view. So I'm the writer, but when I was writing, I had to use the I as if it were coming from her. And so that was really challenging because I wanted to – tell my stories, but when I tell my stories, I have to tell them as Kathy, like Kathy across the street. Um, so, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So when you read the book and you read the I, it's actually Nancy, and we call her the inspiration for the book because she's been having yard wine for 25 years, um, and then I came in and I write it, but I'm involved in the book in that I've lived in the neighborhood for 10 years, so I'm I'm in it probably 50%. There are 50% of the stories that happened before me, but the I is not me. So that was a challenge. That's fascinating. And I'm looking at the cover. Um, I'm looking at the cover of it right now. And how did you decide the credits? Because it does say that it's written by you, uh-huh. even though I see Nancy's name on the cover too. How did you work that? Well, um, we decided, I think hers was the hardest. We definitely wanted to do the written by because um, I actually sat down and and I spent all the hours at night writing it and um, I did all of that heavy lifting. Um, And she really was, she likes to call herself the muse. Um, But it was inspired by this idea that she had, she and her husband had started so many years ago. So over the last, I don't you know, 10 years, I'm, as a writer, I think instinctively, we all just pay really close attention to the things that are happening around us. And so for the last 10 years, when we have yard wine, I just listen. I love to listen to stories, and I love to watch people interact. And I just take mental note of those things all of the time. And so when I sat down to write it, I felt like I had a really good sense of what I wanted to say. And once we started writing the book was just about three years ago, 
And then I started paying even closer attention, and I would ask people during yard wine what they remember. Or So I would pull from our yard winers, is what we call them, and they would tell stories too. And so then I would take those and I would incorporate them into the book. So we just decided that she really was the inspiration, um, but that I had done I had done the actual writing piece. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that's an interesting solution. I think, you know, one of the things that comes up when you're writing a book, um, you know, particularly for the first time is I think people are surprised by the number of problems you have to solve. Yeah. You know, whether it's problems about the structure of the book or how do I end this or point of view or some of these things. So I think you've come up with an interesting solution uh, yeah. that feels and, authentic, yeah. maybe, you, you, that feels right. You know, I, I like the authentic voice that comes through in the book. I like that you use that word because it really is grounded in truth. It's grounded in real life for us. Um, and there were challenges along the way. And as I would write, um, I don't typically hold anything back in the writing. So I would I would write a series of vignettes or I'd write a few pages and then we would have – We'd have a sit down, and she would read through what I'd written. And again, she's she would read it out loud back to me, because she really wanted it to feel like if I if I wrote it from her point of view, she really wanted to make sure that it sounded like something she would actually have said. So she, we would sit down together, and she would read them out loud. And there were several times when we would in where I would include stories and people's names and things that were a little uncomfortable for her. And she'd say, you know, I like that story, but we're going to have to take a part of that out. So I, we had to really work through and be very careful that we, I mean, we lived with these people next door. We didn't want to offend anybody, and and we wanted to make sure that it was all good and everybody was presented in a in a good light and that she felt comfortable with the words that basically I'd put into her mouth. So right, <laughs> right, literally. <laughs> yeah. So so what what were some of the other challenges that came up after you decided to do that book and had the initial meeting between that moment when you had that first conversation and holding the book in your hand? What were some of the other obstacles that came up for you? I would say, and I can sort of take you through the timeline even, but initially when we sat down and decided we were going to do this and um, we really thought we were going to go a more traditional route, and work with an agent and get a publisher and end up in the Barnes & Noble and do something that we're all familiar with. And we were rejected by, I want to think, I was going to go back and look, but like 60 or 70 agents um, and another dozen publishers. And I don't know if it's, I don't think, I'm going to say this because I don't think it's the content necessarily. I think that when we set out and we created our proposal, I don't know that we quite knew then what we know now. So that was an initial mm-hmm. challenge. I don't think they saw our vision. We couldn't articulate it very well in that proposal. So I think that was part of the problem. So that was tough. And then we just had to turn around and decide, okay, if we really want to do this, we need to do it on our own. And at that point, you realize that you don't know anything. Um, I didn't know where to get a book printed. I didn't know how to get it on Amazon. I didn't know how do you get a cover designed. Um, Where's an ISBN number come from? So every single step of the way, we had to figure it out. And we really did it just one day at a time. As the next thing came up, we go, oh, gosh, we really should probably figure that out. Um, And 
I'm glad now that having gone through the process that we didn't know everything right up front. I feel like we really got some good stuff by doing it by the by the seat of our pants, so to speak. We just we figured it out as we went and everything all the choices that we made really turned out to be good choices and it and at the end of it and you think back and you realize it seems so overwhelming all the things that we had to do, but when you just take it one step at a time, it was really a lot of fun and it didn't feel overwhelming at the time because you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. And it, right, so you're saying if you knew everything, you either maybe you wouldn't have done it, or maybe you would have been more nervous about it. And now you didn't know what was next, so you just went on to the next step without yep. wondering about the whole future. Yeah, and I think had I known all that, it, it I would have felt like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can do all of this. How am I ever going to do it? It may have paralyzed me to the point where mm. we wouldn't have moved forward. But I will say. Now that we're done and we have all those things in place, now it's not so overwhelming. So now going on to, you know, we're talking about doing a second book um, for Yard Wine, and and now it's not so overwhelming because we do have all those things in place. So, and are you still working well. with the same partner? Yeah, yeah. She and I still oh, are wow. working. Yeah, she. I mean, she's my neighbor. She lives right across the street from me, so we we see each other all the time. We had that's fact, awesome. We just having, yeah, we were just having wine the other night. Um, but you know, Fantastic. The vision for the book really was we wanted to share. I mean, our tagline is kind of bringing America's neighborhoods together one porch at a time. And so we have this vision for, I don't know, world peace, so to speak. You know, where, where people come together and we build those neighborhoods that we're all used to and we knew everybody. And we really want for that message to get across America. I mean, I really do think that people could live really happy lives if they would just step outside their front door and talk to their neighbor. And so we, our vision is to build more yard wine books as people start sharing their stories with us. Um, we think of ourselves as the next version of the chicken soup books. So we're going to do yard wine, it's, a, it's an Atlanta thing, or yard wine, it's a Canadian thing, or yard wine, it's a teacher thing, so that those people can share with us their stories. So we knew all of that going in. So when you talk about what did we, what did what did we know, and did we set out to write the book? We really did set out to write some series. Yeah. Interesting. So let's talk about this then. You mentioned, um, you mentioned that you didn't know when you were putting the proposal together certain things. Mm-hmm. What would you do differently? And maybe you wouldn't want an agent now, but if you did want an agent, what would you have done differently than what you did with the proposal? I don't think that the proposal was targeted enough. Um, and what I mean by that is I don't think we had identified our audience quite yet, and I don't think that we had identified how we were going to get the word out. We didn't have a platform at the time, and so we were a little wishy-washy on what we were setting out to do, and we also didn't know how we were going to get there. And that's going to scare any agent away. Um, so let's break those down. Um, the first thing you mentioned was identifying an audience. Have you done that now? Absolutely. We have a very clear audience. And I mean, I, so, I could So can you read. give me, for the listeners, kind of, because yeah. a lot of my listeners are in the early stages of putting a book together. So give mm-hmm. us the before and after, what you thought of as your audience before, Okay. And now what you would say. Okay. I think before we felt that it was a book that was targeted for any middle-class American. 
we were that broad. We said, mm-hmm. anybody who can drink wine is going to be our audience. And that's what we okay. put in the proposal. I mean, it was that broad. Now, and you were remember- probably thinking, that's awesome. Like, we're making it so broad so the market is 300 million people. This exactly. Everybody, no. Yeah, everybody drinks wine. Everybody lives in a neighborhood. Um, right. <laughs> but, but that is clearly not our audience, and we have found a more clear niche, and I think that's been important for us. Um, our our target right now, um, as we understand it, is probably um, 40 to 50-year-old women who um, live in a community where they feel close to one another. They like to get together. They're volunteers. Um, they work. Um, they work oftentimes. Um, we've also found that we have a, a niche with the widow as well. So that forty or fifty year old woman who is also a widow, because they're looking for ways to reach out as well. Um, we also Built have community. found. Yep, and we are um, finding that it is also wine drinkers, but it's people who are not wine snobs. It's people who who just want to buy grocery store wines, you know, on sale at Yeah, at I love that phrase, yard wine. It sounds so easy. I didn't feel like you were going to intimidate me or talk about my palate or something. Yeah, so it is for wine drinkers who drink because they enjoy it, um, and it brings a sense of community, and you do it when you're with friends. So people, that that's okay, more awesome. our target audience now. So now let's do the same thing with your platform. Did you even know what a platform was when you started? And if so, no. what, what was your platform and what is it now? I don't even know. I should go back to the proposal. I don't know if I even went back to the proposal if we would have anything in there about platform. Um, we talked about marketing initially and the things that we wanted to do, and we put in there the, the things that you would think of initially, whereas we would want to be in the bookstore or would we would want to be in um, local retail stores in our neighborhood. But we didn't really understand what platform was. So since the book has come out, uh, my partner, Nancy, has been pretty um, pretty diligent about trying to understand social media. And she has been running our Facebook page, she has started to Twitter. Um, we are thinking about starting to run a weekly, um, like a, tw- we're going to host a, I don't even, she's very much better at this than I am, but she's going to host a Twitter meeting. Twitter party? Twitter party, nice. yes. And we're awesome. going to, to do that, we're hoping once a week, where we can do kind of an online Twitter yard wine. So everybody comes, you bring a bottle of wine, we talk about the wine, we talk about hot topics. Um, so we're starting to we're starting to get followers, we're starting to talk to wineries. Um, our platform now is making sure that there are people who know who we are and that we are a brand. So that's what we're trying to develop right now, and that's what we understand as a platform, knowing um, finding who finding people who know us and recognize us as a brand, and then going out and sharing that via social media and through book signings and through, you know, some of the other work that we've done. But it's it's not being at your bookstore, which is what we thought. Mm-hmm. 
Or having your publisher magically market your book for you. Right. I wish a lot of people. They just, I just have to get the publisher to say yes, and then they've figured out how to sell books, so they'll sell mine. Yeah, and I don't so think it really I love that. I think those are some great examples of not only how you go from a general office audience to a specific one or how you go from uh, dreaming about marketing to actually building a platform, um, but also I love the idea that you have that you didn't necessarily do it wrong. You've just learned more and le- learned different things now, and you have to get there somehow. You're not just yeah. born knowing how to build a platform or knowing how to identify a target audience for a book. Right. It's not something we're, you know, endowed with at birth. And so I, I would like your process. Yeah, and I would encourage everybody, all the listeners, that it is you don't set out to do it right a hundred percent on the first day. Um, I don't even. I, I, I heard a quote somewhere one time where they talked about if you waited for it to be a hundred percent, it would never get done. So if you yeah. just set out to do it and know that there are going to be mistakes and there are probably going to be editing errors in your book and you're probably not going to have your audience identified properly, that's okay. If you wait for it to be perfect, you'll never get it done. So just just shoot for ninety percent, um, and you just learn things as you go. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. So. You so you did it. Your book was published, I think, eight or nine months ago, right? Right, right. And in the last eight or nine months since your book has been out, what is the best thing that's come out of having your own book for you? Well, for one, I love being able to tell people that I wrote a book because Mm -hmm. there's sort of a sense of pride and a sense of accomplishment when you do that, and people look at you as if you're amazing. Because they think, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to write a book, and um, so they look at you with this sense of awe, and that's been kind of fun. Um, I will say that the other really fun thing is that um, we have been targeting for our book um, the wineries up and down the California coast, and mm-hmm. we are trying to get into the wineries. We're in a couple of them. We're trying to build yard wine communities in wine country. Um, we're going to start talking about possibly trademarking the name and licensing it for them to use in their own wineries and pulling their members together. So what's been really fun about all of that is that when Nancy and I go on book signings, we actually have to go to the wineries and we sit and we drink wine and talk to people. And That's there is terrible. no <laughs> <I find> heavy <laughs> labor. <laughs> And it's been that has been really a lot of fun. We've taken a couple of weekend trips, and we've gone up to Sonoma, and we've been to Santa Rosa, and we've we've just been able to sit and drink wine and sign books and talk about community and family and friendships, and we've done it all with a glass of wine in our hand. And there really is no better book signing than that. Yeah, so that is a uh, a lesson about picking a great book topic. That's right. Um, that's right. And so I know you went through the process. You've obviously learned a lot. Um, you continue to teach people writing. And I think you've started a second book project. I started a second book project that is um, not with Nancy, but it's on my own. Um, and I've been wanting to write a children's book. And so I've I've decided to go, or I did decide to do this a couple of years ago and have been in the process. And we just pulled it all together and it's, done and um we're starting to we started sales last month 
So the children's book was a story that I began telling my children when they were little, and it's the story of the dream train. But what it's for specifically is to help kids who have fears or anxieties at night and also for kids who just don't want to go to sleep and they fight going to sleep every night. And so we that came would up be with my that. son. Really? My son has taken to telling me he's nocturnal. Oh, he's so Mom, nice. I can't go to sleep. I'm nocturnal. <laughs> I love that. Well, and that's what all kids do. It's the, oh, please, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, or I just need a drink of water for the sixth time, or tuck me back in, or check again for monsters. It's We all know it as a parent, and it's frustrating. And it, we are at the end of a day completely exhausted, and it seems like the kids are just getting ready to go, and they know how to push our buttons. And it makes for a really rough evening sometimes when you just want them to go to sleep. So we came up with we came up with the solution, and that's what the book is. And so that mission for me is to get it in the hands of parents really honestly so that they can find the peace that we found at bedtime. So what uh, what was different for you the second time around? What was easier? What was harder? The writing was a lot harder because it needed to be so much more concise. Um, you only have you know, two to three hundred words as opposed to thirty to sixty thousand. Um, you needed to think you, you need to think about the kids and how they're going to react. You need to think about what happens on every page turn so that there's um there's something that makes them want to turn the page. Um, and I packaged it with a plush toy in a box. So now instead of just being a book that I could send to a print-on-demand printer with, like I did with Yardwine. Now I had to both print and manufacture and package. So I would say across the board, everything about the children's book was more difficult than the adult nonfiction piece. Wow. And um, And so what did you learn from your first book that you applied to doing the second one? I learned um I learned to think about cost cuz cost is important. I knew how I knew from the first book about ISBN numbers. So initially I purchased more than I needed because I hoped that I would need more of them later. Um I learned uh, about contracts and making sure that I had my contracts in place before we got started with any project. Um, I have learned about payment terms from the first one, but I have been able to apply to the second book when you go and you try and sell to a retail store. So I've learned about that. Um, I've also discovered, and this is for anybody, if if you're out selling books, um, you don't know how to take money necessarily, as you guys have all heard, but um, you can now on your mobile devices, on your iPhones, you you have those little things that you can plug into the top and take credit cards. So right, we learned like that. Square. On the, yeah, like the square. So we learned that from the first one that we were able to apply to the second. Um, quality control. I had some quality control issues on the second book that I was able to watch for. So, you know, even though it's a completely different project, the things that I learned in the first one still applied. Okay, and then I guess my last question for you is just in our final minutes to think about everything you've learned with both of these books and just 
what advice would you give to a new author who is at the beginning of their journey and they're looking forward to holding their book in their hands, um, but they might not know all the steps between here and that, you know, that moment of holding their book. And obviously there's a lot to talk about with marketing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more than just holding your book. It's getting your book in other yeah. people's hands. Yeah, holding the book is the easy part almost. Getting it into other people's hands is the hard part. But I would say two things. First, you have to take it day by day. Um, don't expect to know everything on the first day. And I would say second, make sure that you pick a topic that you have a passion and you feel connected to if because you're going to be working with the content for a long time. And you need to pick something that you don't think you're going to lose interest in. So you've got to maintain the energy throughout the writing, throughout the problems and the glitches that come up. And then once you get it in your hand, you still have to be able to talk that book and you still have to have that same energy you did when you started you know, one year before when you started writing it. So those would be my two biggest pieces of advice. Fantastic advice. And, you know, I think for other wine lovers, writing about wine is a great choice because you're not going to get sick of that one. (laughs) um, Well, I really appreciate Kathy Larson from Yard Wine and from The Dream Train. You can go to yardwinebook.com or thedreamtrain.com. Um, I love talking to you about your book. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, thank you. Today, I